This is Simply Meditation, an offering of Center for Self-Care, and your mindful coach, that's me, Mark Balser. Each week at 7.15 p.m. on Wednesday, we have an in-person guided meditation and short teaching at Balance for Life Yoga in Devon, Pennsylvania. Feel free to join us there or listen each week to our intro and guided practice or standalone guided practice. If you'd like to learn more, visit me at www.center4selfcare.com or email me at mark at centerforselfcare.com. Thank you and enjoy. So if you're like me, you've been running around all day. I was in four different vehicles today. I had a Lyft, I had an Uber, I had a rental car, I had my car, uh, and we're always moving. And even when we're sitting, we're moving because we're multitasking and we've got our phone while we're you know, trying to do the dishes or vacuuming or whatever we're doing. We've got how many screens? Three, four screens with all the stock tickers and all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, it's a real gift to ourselves to take time to stop and slow down, uh, find some stillness, find some silence. So we'll start with that just for three, four minutes, giving us an opportunity to arrive. And there's no right way to sit in the practice of mindfulness, just a posture that uh, gives you a little bit of comfort, but also doesn't put you to sleep. And as you're ready, you might let your eyes close gently. And gathering the state of affairs, noticing what's happening in your body, feeling the feet flat on the floor, feeling the body supported by the chair, the effect of gravity on your shoulders as they drop, maybe even on your belly, sense you, how you might soften Relaxing into the seat. Loosening the muscles of the face and brow. And bringing some awareness to the mind. The quality of the thoughts. As you watch them come and go from your consciousness. You might be aware of a feeling state, a feeling of anxiety or busyness, a feeling of contentment or happiness, perhaps a bit of both. And our practice is not to try to make these emotions or thoughts a certain way but instead be with whatever arises in this moment. And as we drop into practice, we might sense the generosity that's part of our life by bringing to mind a gift you may have received today. 
a gift of knowledge, a gift of presence, perhaps even a tangible gift. Take a moment to reflect on a gift you might have received, no matter how mundane or commonplace. Sensing a measure of gratitude or appreciation for how you receive this gift. Tapping into a sense that no matter the chaos or confusion, excitement or opportunity of each day, we might find gifts in uncommon places. Allowing the breath to be deep, letting go of any technique, and just settling into this time and place. Then listening for the sound of the bell to open your eyes. The wonderful thing about teaching meditation is the only way to do it is to practice as well. So I need to thank you for giving me three or four minutes of practice just now. <laughs> Even with the instructions, I was able to settle in, in a way that is pretty atypical of everyday life. So today, generosity. And one of the things I love about having a different topic each week is I kind of challenge myself to investigate and explore that and make that my practice for the week. And generosity is a fun one for me because there's lots of lists related to generosity. The Buddhists love lists. And I don't know if it's because, you know, they've got this, this kind of monastic tradition and there's so much like chanting and memorization and you couldn't like you know, have a narrative of what all the rules were. You needed something in list form that you could be like, one is don't yell and two is don't steal. So uh, the Buddha has eight ways of giving. And of course he offered them in two separate lists. I don't know why, because they're pretty much the same overlapping. And what's interesting and exciting to me is that they explore skillful Generosity, skillful giving, which is what we usually think about, but also unskillful as a way of uh, discerning so that we're not, you know, you know, those helpers and those givers that give so much of themselves that they just, there's nothing left and they get burned out and so on. Here's what the Buddha said. There's eight ways of giving. Spontaneously, out of fear, to reciprocate a gift in hope of receiving a gift in return by thinking it's good to give. Uh, and this is, of course, in the monastic tradition. By thinking it would be improper to deny food to a renunciate. That's basically a, a training monk who has none. In order to get a good reputation and because it ennobles the mind and adorns the mind.
There's also three practices of merit in the Buddhist tradition of Dhamma, which is kind of truth. Uh, they start with generosity, morality, and meditation. So at the very least, we're doing two of the three tonight. These lists are kind of guideposts for our practices. There's generosity that we can share that's based off of an abundance. I was at a conference today and I learned all these new approaches. The speakers, Kenneth Ginsberg, who talked, it didn't cost him anything more for me to get that knowledge he was sharing because he was already presenting it to everybody else. So there's an abundance to those gifts of, of knowledge, often gifts of presence. Uh, and then there's also generosity based off a scarcity, which is good too. You know, you don't have food, so I share that food with you. I think it's neat to just kind of think about the motivations for giving, because uh, oftentimes that can have a big impact on how it's received, but also how we feel after we've given that generosity. It's a little bit like last week we were talking about absolute and relative gratitude. Absolute gratitude is that like I look outside and the trees are beautiful. And then there's also gratitude of at least I have a roof over my head. And I think they're both valuable, both important. Another list in the Buddhist tradition is something called the paramitas, the 10 perfections, the 10 wholesome states. And the first, the very first paramita is generosity. So I think we're in the right place. There's uh, the word in Sanskrit is kaga, C-A-G-A. And it actually means a relinquishment or a letting go. So when we're thinking about generosity, uh, we're, we're sometimes taking off a skin, like we're sharing vulnerability in terms of presence. Uh, and we're also releasing things that we might be attached to, like money or food or shelter. Are you guys familiar with Adam Grant? Do you know this guy? He's a Penn professor. And uh, he was on a radio show recently because he's got this book called uh, Give and Take. And so he identifies givers, matchers, and takers. And, you know, just culturally. What he says was, the most successful givers are those who rate high in concern for others, but also in self-interest. They are strategic in their giving so that their work has the maximum desired effect. They give in ways that reinforce their social ties and they consolidate their giving into chunks so that the impact is intense enough to be gratifying. I think there's a really neat research finding that they've taken groups of people and split them into two and they have the first group practice uh, generosity every day for five minutes. And then they have the second group practice generosity five times in one day each week. So you have the people that are bunching all their generosity together and then the others that are spreading it over, out over time. I would have thought the people that are spreading it out over time would be the ones who got the most benefit, but it's actually the people who consolidate those acts of generosity. It's hard to tell exactly why that might be. Part of it is how you create novelty that if you turn it into a routine or ritual and all of a sudden your generosity is just like brushing your teeth, now it's an obligation, not so much a, a habit, uh, not so much uh, something that is meaningful in each time. So he calls these uh, five-minute 
five minute favors that if you can bunch those together and find a way for them to be linked, they can have a bigger impact. So he says that givers have a tendency to either be wildly successful or just plain burned out. The distinction he makes is that successful givers are very discerning. They say yes to the things that they have time for, have unique skills or resources to contribute to, and help them feel connected. Failed givers, on the other hand, tend to say yes to everything. So I don't know if that resonates for you, but I get in these cycles where I'm saying yes to everything, and now even the things that I love and care about seem miserable because they're just the grim duty of the day. So I like that idea of giving in ways that leverage your strengths, you know, so that you're not just a warm body carrying trash around. So, you know, at the heart, we're practicing mindfulness meditation here, using the raw material of our experience. You know, oftentimes we'll bring our attention to our breath. We started with the body a little bit here today. Uh, we can even think of thoughts and emotions as the raw material of our life. Uh, we're not staring at a candle or saying a mantra. Uh, but we mix it also with uh, what I might call insight meditation, uh, where we uh, might bring up kind of memories or imagery uh, and then use that to evoke a feeling. And then every once in a while, uh, we, we get a message. You know, we almost get some advice for ourselves. Like you were saying, like, I feel like reaching out to her and saying thank you. What might happen? Who knows what'll happen if you do that? So uh, our practice tonight is a form of that. Uh, it's a heart opener. It's based off the idea that we can't just get happiness. We can't grab it. Uh, but we can make it more likely to be part of our experience. We can incline the mind. Uh, I like the term gladdening the mind through practices like these. So we'll practice for about 15 minutes or so. Sound good? So coming back to that posture that supports an attention, but also a relaxation. Sensing that there's nowhere to go in this moment. Nothing we need to accomplish. Just be present for our experience. You might sense where the breath is most prominent in the body, following the inhale and the exhale, perhaps at the belly or the nostrils, and riding that wave of breath. Breath enters the body and exits. You might breathe naturally, sensing how the breath flows without any real effort on your part. And as we practice together, using the sensation of the breath to bring you back to the present moment, if you find yourself lost in a thought or carried too far away in an emotion. Feeling the breath enter and exit the body. 
Breathing in and breathing out. And we'll take a minute or two here to bring to mind the most generous person we've ever known. Might be a family member or a friend. Might be a famous figure in history. most generous person you've ever met or known of. Letting an image of this being form in your mind. Sensing their generous spirit, their love, and their compassion. It's okay to shuffle through a few people, changing this generous person if you come up with someone else. Might be a grandmother, might be a teacher or mentor. You might let these images move, become a movie in your mind, visualizing them performing one of these generous acts you know them for. As you view them, sense how they might feel as they perform these acts. and allow that feeling to inhabit your body. Sensing a warmth, connection, sensing where the feelings of well-being this person generates for you flow to in your body. Might be a softening in the fingers or toes, a releasing of the tension in your shoulders or back. Imagining you're receiving their generosity in this very moment. 
And it might be that what comes up for you is bittersweet. Reflecting on a memory and perhaps a different time. Allowing for all of these things. And holding this being in your heart. Letting any images fade. As you now bring to mind someone to whom you've been generous. Someone you've cared for, been present for. Someone you've supported or been a role model to. As you bring a picture of this being to your mind, Recall the generosity you've directed towards them. Bring yourself back to a time that you'd offered this care and compassion. Recalling how you felt. Feelings of empathy and love. Feelings of concern. And then bringing a movement of these images to your mind. Imagine one of your acts of generosity replaying as you've cared for them. Sense how they received your gifts. What they might have thought and felt and experienced. And sense how you might feel what they experienced in this moment yourself. Once again, allowing any images or thoughts to fade as you hold this being to whom you've shared your generosity in your heart. And now recalling a time you've been generous with yourself. Time you've cared for yourself, forgiven yourself. Giving yourself space. And 
We're often our harshest critics. So perhaps recalling a time of self-compassion. See if you might tap into a softening or a loosening that that generosity towards yourself engendered. You might even recall how you might have been unsure if it was right to be generous towards yourself. And then how you felt after offering this generosity. We live in a world that honors exhaustion, honors busyness and achievement. But in the end, it's the love and care and generosity that we have for ourselves and others that feeds us and nourishes us.